This is scaring is sharing. We're partying with some horror movies today, I guess. I oh know. my god, yes. I'm so wasted. <laughs> I do feel like for I, you know, since I've been sober for a while, I have not experienced a hangover in a long time, but I was up late last night. I had to be up at 6.30 to leave my AA meeting, and I'm feeling real rough right now. (laughs) It's just something, too, about, like, getting older and not having just the right amount of sleep I'm learning, where I feel like I want to die the next morning (laughs) when I wake up. And it's like, and this is just from not sleeping that much. So, like, man. Hashtag world. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, things things just get more and more delicate as time goes on. I can't believe it. Well, if you're listening for the very first time, this is a, a podcast where we talk about horror movies, and then we share movies with one another that we haven't seen before. That's it. I am Jeremy Rusk, Sasquatch Slim himself. And I am Brandy Joe Planbeck, the flaming scream queen. The flaming scream queen he's it he's the one and i've claimed that i'm the original sasquatch slim that's right there's any others out there sorry i'm claiming it (laughs) your cat was like i'm sasquatch slim yeah the cats are mad about it stop it (laughs) (laughs) oh that is just timing you can't oh that is rich you you can't buy that that's that's really cool Jeremy, how was your week? Not too bad, I guess, all things considered. Oh, you mean like we're in quarantine still? That's yeah, like <laughs> quarantine. The pandemic is still uh, happening. You know, like working, <laughs> having to do that thing called work to make money. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, I got quite a few movies in, more than I normally do, I think. Me too. Why don't you go ahead? Tell me I'll about just them. Okay, I'll talk about my recent discoveries. So I found out that uh, on Shudder right now, they have like... A collection of Val Luton movies. Val Luton, of course, being we're fans of him because he was the uh, the auteur producer behind Cat People, the original Cat People, mm-hmm. and he in the '40s cranked out a whole bunch of uh, pretty interesting noirish horror movies. But I watched I Walked with a Zombie. How was that? I thought it was really good. It's a okay. movie I've known of for a long time, uh, kind of in relation to Cat People. That it's this, you know. It's a horror movie that like, you know, the idea was these other, the studio gave him titles and then he crafted movies based around them and all of them like. That's so fun. Were not what was expected. They were always like, they're, they're really mature and not like horror movies in the way you would think they're going to be, especially coming off the heels of like, you know, the universal classics that happened, you know, are Mm -hmm. going on like around the time these were coming out. So, Um, but I walked with a zombie. I think it's the first zombie movie ever like mainstream zombie movie. I'm not okay. 100% sure, I, but I think it predates White Zombie starring Bella Lugosi. So, uh, but it uses zombies in the Caribbean like folklore sense where they're just people that are neither living nor dead and just kind of mindless drones. And then I also watched The Leopard Man, 
which was really good, I thought. Uh, I almost don't want to really tell you anything about it because uh, I might assign it at some point, throw it on the list. But if you enjoyed Cat People, I think The Leopard Man uh, is also a fantastic find. It totally goes directions you would you'd never expect. But as it unravels, you're like, wow, that was cool and really interesting, especially for something from the 40, early 40s. Cool. And And last night I watched... It's really more horror adjacent, but uh, it, it, I found it in the horror section of uh, on Amazon Prime, uh, and I'd heard of it before it came out last year. It's called Get Duked, and it's a Scottish movie, UK movie. Uh, it's set, now that I'm thinking about it, it's funny enough, it's topical, topical because as we're recording, Prince Philip's funeral was today. And in the movie, it's about these four teenagers uh, that are competing for the Duke of Edinburgh award, which of course okay. Prince Prince Philip was the Duke of Edinburgh. So that's why it's kind of like a weird coincidence there that I watched this. Um, but it's an award where they have to go on this grueling hike uh, and camping trip through the Scottish Highlands. And at the end they get this like special, you know, like government award that like looks good. Three of the kids in the movie, it's four teenagers. Three of them are like juvenile delinquents and they're forced to do this to try and like better them. Uh, and then they have like the nerd friend who's there cause he wants to be there. And it's, you know, the humor's there. But while they're going, they are pursued by a masked maniac huntsman that's trying to hunt and kill them. Uh, and it is like the most dangerous game but it really leans more into being a comedy. It's got like this crazy hip hop soundtrack. The Huntsman that's after them is played by Eddie Izzard, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it was a lot of fun. I was surprised by it. It took like so many turns that I wasn't expecting because I feel like it's a trope that's been done to death with, you know, most dangerous game, a little bit of Hills Have Eyes kind of thing going on, except it's like leans way more into the comedy, the cool hip hop soundtrack. The like it's got a very youthful like wild energy definitely feels like a midnight movie, like stoner comedy <laughs> kind of thing. And okay. Of it. Yeah. I've so never heard of that. It's very surprising. I recommend it. Yeah. Get duked. And Eddie Izzard just in December came out saying that she uses she, her pronouns now, mm-hmm. which I, I was just thinking like, what are Eddie Izzard's pronouns? I thought that there had been something recent and yeah, what I'd seen good for is- her. Yep, she is using she, her. It, it looked like there's still like gender fluidity as part of the mm-hmm. Eddie Izzard, who she is. So, must be so interesting to be someone who's made films in particular, no less uh, a celebrity and someone who's in the, the limelight and the spotlight and the media and all of that so much, but someone like Eddie Izzard and Elliot Page to have these films with your name attached to the other it's Eddie Izzard is still Eddie Izzard, mm-hmm. but to have your names attached to these projects and just sort of it, the idea of you ingrained in people's mind a certain way. It yeah. just, I mean, it, that must be particularly challenging for them, but I mean, all the more to be like fucking go. Like, yeah. You know? Especially for Eddie Izzard, somebody that's had decades long career in like several mediums. But I, I remember not that long ago seeing an interview where she had said that when acting, she is in man mode. So that's like kind of hmm. how the acting that's why she'll still be doing it looks like traditional you know male roles and stuff because of the 
ability. We'll see if that changes. I'm sure at some point it would be interesting to see the something a little different. But Eddie Izzard is like my all time favorite stand up comedian. So I don't know that I've. I mean, I I could point Eddie Izzard out in a line, but I don't think I've ever seen any of her stand up or anything. You need to seek it out. Okay. I also recently learned, and you know, I'm sure everyone's a little different, but all the rage as of lately, or not the rage, but like the right thing to do and the thing that lots of people are doing in workspaces and just in in life in general are saying like, what's your preferred pronoun? But I recently read that you should just say, what are your pronouns? Because it's not so much like, here's what I prefer. It's more like, here's who I am. Yeah. So to just say, what are your pronouns as opposed to what are your preferred pronouns? And that was sort of news to me. So it makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Because saying preferred seems like it still gives the leeway that I like. I might not use it just because you prefer it. Yeah. And and you may prefer something else. But here's what I prefer as opposed to. No, this is me. This is who I am. This is it. Just please do it. Yeah. Yeah. I am good about adding it into like my signature and you know, if I'm in a zoom call or something, I always put add it in there, but I just in life in general, when meeting a small group of people or something, I I'm just trying to get better at just having it be a part of the natural conversation because I want to be aware of that with mm-hmm. new people I meet. And especially like just today, I was in a, a, a meeting with someone like the first non-binary person that I ever, you know, knew in the flesh and they've taught me a lot about so many things and i know that they were saying that still like that's that challenge of meeting new people and being like when can i put this in here and is it going to change things and i'm just like i i need to be proactive in putting that out there you know if i'm especially if i'm a, in a leader in the environment like to just be like hey you know whoever you are is okay here and not mm-hmm. have anyone have to be afraid of that. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think about it a lot too, where it's like, it's a new challenge going forward. Cause I quickly realize how ingrained just certain things are in you when you try to do the right thing here and, you know, uh, learn and change and grow with this. Cause like I fuck up all the time and it's like, oh man, that's, I, I don't want to do that, but it's part of growing and, Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you don't mean to, you don't mean to cause offense or anything like that. It's just, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a new thing to learn and better ourselves. And I think the important thing is, like you said, to learn and not make a big fuss about it when you no. do something wrong, like not be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. You're right. It's supposed to be they, them. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, like just yeah, exactly. Like, oh, you're right. They, them, you yeah. know, or thank you for correcting it. me or whatever. Yep. And, and move on and do better next on. time. And I feel like it gets easier. Mm-hmm. It gets easier the more, and this is just on a you know on a personal level, like being aware and doing it correctly. We can all help to love each other and make a better world. Yeah. And that being said, our podcast is a safe place to be scared. <laughs> we love everybody. Yeah. Yes. Come, come as you are, whoever you are. Uh, yeah. I, I embrace you all. I do too. With open arms, open heart, open mind. Yes. Open whatever produces the scary stuff. That was my too. tangina. My <laughs> as opposed to my tangent in this podcast, we call it my tangina. My tangina. <laughs> so I have a duo that I think will be fun for you to talk about. Because mm. I watched two movies this last week. Ooh, okay. Um, and they're related. So once I tell you the first one, you'll know the second one. Yo. I watched 
Kong Skull Island. Ha! <laughs> cool. And Godzilla King of the Monsters. Fun. And I have to say that Kong Skull Island, which I was least looking forward to, is the best of all three that I've seen so far. I loved it. I I actually wholeheartedly, as much as I love the Godzilla 2014, mm-hmm. I think Kong is just a slightly better movie. It's so good. And you know what really elevates it is the comedy. Yes. Yeah. It's got really good comedy in it. It And just like as characters, they're all so much more interesting and lovable. They're more they're, fleshed out too. Yeah. And so I'm just more invested and I cared so much more. King of the Monsters was almost, I would say, bad. I dare say bad. No, I, I agree with you. It was... Um, uh, and I was so looking forward to it. Yeah. I can't remember on Letterboxd. I don't know what I gave it. It's probably really like a two, two and a half star movie in my mind when I yeah. think back to it. Because it was... I feel like with K- King of the Monsters, they leaned too hard to the fan response of like, we want more monster action. And totally. they went too hard that direction. And then like the human characters are barely even characters. They're so bad. Yeah. Uh, the monsters, it's cool. And it was cool that they got like, for the first time, King Ghidorah and Rodan, who are all these like Mothra classic, mm-hmm. other classic Japanese kaiju uh, for the first time, like in an American movie, because uh, in the past, Toho has been really controlling where for some reason they only want to license out Godzilla and keep the rest of their stable of monsters close to the chest. Yeah. But uh, that was neat to see that. But yeah, it was too and it was too long. Yeah, that's what I it, remember about they it. talked about finding a, a monster in Wyoming, though. And being a Wyomingite, I was like, talk about that one. I want to know which monsters in Wyoming. <laughs> What's and the I don't Wyom- think they did. What's the Wyoming monster? Did you like the Go Go Godzilla song or whatever it's called? The cover? Oh, yeah. The Blue Oyster Cult song. Like, that was awesome. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. I liked it. They got Serge Tonkian from System of a Down. The, uh, you know, great. Uh, If you're you're like a late 90s, early 2000s. I mean, System of a Down's kind of around still, but like they are part of that new metal uh, heyday when I was a teenager, System of Down, Corn, you know, Rob mm-hmm. Zombie, all that stuff. So I was all about that. Anytime they show up, that's good in my book. So I'm intrigued to watch Kong versus Godzilla, still for the same reason we talked about before that I view them as kind of good monsters, quote yeah. unquote. So I'm intrigued to see how that all plays out. But also, you said, I think you ranked it like fourth among the movies or something i think you said it wasn't as good as the other ones so i'm like is it worse than king of the monsters no it i would say i'll do my ranking uh the best one's kong skull island then godzilla 2014 then i would say godzilla versus kong okay king of the monsters is the worst one okay okay that's what i that's how i think and godzilla versus kong like i don't think it's as strong as those other two but it's still a pretty good movie uh, okay. It still has some of the issues from King of the Monsters, but it does some other stuff pretty well. So, well, I'm I'm intrigued. And Kong Skull Island, I loved the the period setting, like setting it at, at the end of Vietnam and uh-huh. having that like that just felt like right for a King Kong story to do it that way. So, I don't know. It just worked out. They had all the right pieces for it. 
And just so many of the sequences were amazing. Like when they showed up to the island and then just shit started to go down with Kong. Yeah. It was so good. And I love uh, the fact that they didn't go to civilization with him. Because mm -hmm. that always is like part of the King Kong story. And that's always the bit I feel like is so played out when they do that. Like I like them leaving him in his own environment the entire yeah. time. Uh, and having him fight, you know, monsters there. And also, I always forget about it, but like the times I've rewatched it or I see a thing online where I'm like, oh yeah, John C. Riley was in there. Uh, and his just gonna say was so good. His character was so good. He was so good. And at first I was like, ugh. Like, I, I mean, I like him. Mm -hmm. But when he showed up and it's like, oh, hi, I'm the goofy one. I'm going to be your comedic relief. I was a little annoyed. Yeah. And then I just like fell in love with him. And he was so because there's just that that key element when you're that character to not be annoying and to be lovable. And like, that's what you want to make that character successful. And he was just so dear. And yeah. I thought Brie Larson was so great. Like, yep. I just, everyone times it. when I'm like, you have a camera around your neck. Why aren't you taking pictures right now? But, you know. <laughs> and then Samuel L. Jackson as the yes. uh, uh, the Ahab character, if you will. Mm -hmm. Like again, another thing that could come off as cliched or so, like overdone. But like he kills it, he nails it. Like you believe it; it's authentic, and just you feel everybody's motivations in that movie. Yeah, it was just so good. It was a really nice surprise mm -hmm. on how good it was. So I'm excited to watch the new one, and I'm also going to watch. Shin Godzilla. Godzilla Shin? Shin Godzilla. Shin Godzilla. For my friend Rob, because he says, why do you keep watching all the bad ones? Watch the good one. <laughs> so I'm going to watch it just so I can, you know, say what I thought. There you go. I also had a discovery this week. I got a thing on Facebook because, of course, it knows me because of all the horror stuff I post. And mm -hmm. it was like, it was an ad from Fangoria. And it was like, hey, get a subscription and get this free cool T-shirt. And I was like, oh, fun. Like, I wouldn't mind having Fangoria again. Yeah. So I go to the website and it looks like it only comes out. There's four issues a year. Uh-huh. And do you know how much it is? A lot of money, I bet. $80. What? For four issues that's insane. that's insane like it'd be one thing if they were each like 500 pages but it's like ooh, these nice you know hard cardstock covered 100 page issues four times a year i'm like that's insane no 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 for 80 dollars like i would have done it for 40 like yeah. okay ten dollars you know i i know you're a, a dying medium but i remember i remember last year they had like a uh pandemic like special probably because they're hurting for money because i almost subscribed but that was to like online access or something like that it gave you like full because i guess they also have like a huge digital archive as part of it so i almost subscribed to get that to read like old articles and stuff that but, would be fun but i didn't because i was like nah i don't need to spend that money because it'll just be another digital thing i have that i barely look at anyway and pay money yeah. for so yeah. Oh, man. I always felt like I was looking at porn as a little boy when I would go to that newsstand and like want to get a Fangoria. And if it had a particularly gory cover, like I talked about before, like the Phantasm 2 cover, mm -hmm. like I, I would feel like as if I was trying to rent like a really dirty movie. Like I've mm -hmm. never rented a porn because just the idea of going up to the counter with it. And somebody seeing it. Even if it's like like taking a little strip of paper that has the title like mm -hmm. taking it 
to the person to get the movie for me. The the idea of the possible embarrassment there has kept me from never doing that. I mean, now who cares? Because you can watch anything you want online. You don't yeah. need to. But back in the day, as soon as I turned 18, like I never rented a porn. Like that just, oh my God, I was so embarrassed. So, but I had that similar sort of shame in regards to getting Fangoria. Yeah. If the cover was something where I was going to feel embarrassed, like I, I wouldn't buy it. I just like read it a little bit there. No, I do remember that too. Cause it, isn't it like literally in the stores you had like the playboys on the shelves, but they had the, like the little card they yeah. put in front of the cover so you couldn't see it. But like yeah. right next to it was like all the Fangoria. And, That's exactly how it was. And Gore Zone. And uh, there was Cinema like, Fantastic or whatever. Do you yeah, remember that one? It I remember was that similar. one. There's another one that for some reason I feel like had slime in the title or something like that. I don't huh. know. Cause there was like, I remember you had Fangoria and then like Gore Zone was the one that like, was like, we're trashier than Fangoria. Like yeah. we have even more gore pictures than they do. Like, so they were all trying to be the most socially unredeeming magazine <laughs> they could be. Yep. So yeah, that was crazy. And I also have two small correction corners from last week. Okay. They're not big, but I said I I think I said that I thought Angela Lansbury won an Oscar for Manchurian Candidate, and she did not. She was only nominated. Okay. And she was also nominated for Picture of Dorian Gray, which I think I talked about a long time ago. Yeah. And Gaslight, yeah. which I've never seen. Mm -hmm. She also, I found out, was nominated like 12 times for Murder, She Wrote, for an Emmy, and never won once. But I think wow. I counted 12 Emmy nominations. That's nuts. So crazy. And I, my one other one is Katie Siegel, who is Mike Flanagan's wife that I talked about. I talked about her being in Absentia, his like first full length feature, I believe. Mm -hmm. And she's not in it. So I just had to say when I came upon those things and realized I was wrong, I'm, I'm owning, I'm owning Own it, it and I'm moving on. And I'll do better next time. Yep, we'll move on. <laughs> uh, and I wanted to give an addendum because I saw on our last episode, uh, somebody commented on there about James Wong Howe, the cinematographer of Seconds, who I forgot yeah. to talk about last in that episode because he is incredible. He's one of the greatest cinematographers I think ever, especially he's kind of not, I, I'm using grand language here. He's like universally recognized as like the greatest cinematographer for black and white photography because that was like the heyday of what he did like a bunch of, you know, film noirs and all this classic Hollywood stuff. But Seconds' is look, like he did that. He was the, you know, the director of photography that created the look of that film. And it's like, it would not have been the same movie without him. Like he just had an incredible eye. I, I, I think I have, I can't remember what movie it's with, but like I have a Criterion collection disc of like one of the movies that he was the cinematographer on. And as one of the special features is like a masterclass he did of, oh. you know, showing some students like some, you know, how to be a director of photography and how to light a scene and do some stuff. And it's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I was watching In Search of Darkness Part 2, of course, you know, as you know, I don't think you finished the first one yet. It takes some time. I haven't even finished it. It takes some time. Some time I've, I've never gone through. back to it, so I need to go back and finish it. But one of the people that they interview talks about, and I don't remember what she's referencing, but she says, oh, that's one of my cinematic catnips. Mm. And I was wondering what some of yours are. I'll, I'll say a couple that I've, since I'm the one who just proposed the question. Sure, sure. Yeah. But for me, I love kids in horror movies 
Like if there's like a kid is the the sort of centerpiece, I'm very much like intrigued by it. And I'm curious and I want to watch it. Mm-hmm. And another one for me is our masked killers. Like I love a good mask. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's why like I... the strangers was so exciting for me. Yes, I think I agree with mask killers. Like cool masks is awesome. That's part of what like get duked was fun because there's a there's some cool masks in there so more than one mask it's like numerous there's more than one yeah they're all kind of thematically similar but it's like that's fun yeah masks playing off of the kids too like i'm not necessarily like about kids in general like (laughs) yeah i i it's it's the idea of child actors because some of them are terrible so if the kid is not a good actor i'm like i'm out i can't handle this but uh, I'm more so into teenagers, I think, in horror, and but specifically nerdy teenagers, because mm-hmm. uh, I'm thinking like Stranger Things or something yes. like that. Like that's like, or like the Monster Squad movies like that, where I guess they were preteens technically, but still, like when they're big nerds, uh, I immediately see my own childhood reflected, where I'm like, that was me, and I did all those things. Like that really, yeah. really gets me in. What else? I, uh, monsters, of course. A good monster. You do love monsters. A good monster. And when the monster is like a character, uh, mm, like, you mm-hmm. know, something like King Kong, where there is actually like a fleshed out like character and personality to it. That's that's awesome. I love a good haunting. Yeah. It's hard to do it well, but I'm mm-hmm. often I'm usually intrigued and like I'm like, oh, especially if it's like a mainstream, like a big budget, because there's lots of really not good low budget ones. Mm-hmm. And not to say that, that the high budget horror movies are great, but sometimes sure. they're the ones that are just a little glossier, a little more, you know, a little more money put in for effects and things like that. Yeah, I like 80s slashers. Like I, I really cannot res- I cannot resist if. Every so often, like a movie pops up and somebody will be like, it's a forgotten classic of the 80s, like slasher genre. I'm like, well, I have to see it. Like (laughs) Graduation Day. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. They talk about it in In Search of Darkness Part 2. And I'm like, that looks fun. And Mm -hmm. I have not seen it either. Yeah, there there was like a couple years ago was the one Edge of the Axe was making I watched the that, yeah. of getting a re-release and I'm like I don't know anything about the quality of it but I'm like I just know it's a forgotten 80s slasher that I, it was made in like Spain or something like that yeah. but I'm like I gotta see it I still haven't watched it yet but I know it's out there and I'm like I'll have to watch Shutter. this yeah I think it is I'll have to watch it at some point and it was like, decent I'm immediately hooked as soon as they're like it was from the 80s it's got a masked killer in it uh you probably you know it got forgotten by everybody I'm like gotta watch it and I like demons, demons and devils. Whenever ah. it's uh, like that was part of like why hereditary. I'm like, that's fucking awesome. Is because anything with demons and then they go into demonology. Mm-hmm. I guess even more so than having demons or devils in it is like when they like pull open a big book and they read like, here's the biography of the demon we're facing. I'm like, that's <laughs> I, I love that. I love that every time it happens. And also, and it's of no surprise, but and I talked about it last week and I have talked about it many times before is I love when addiction is melded into horror because I mm. think so many times it's like a parallel for what addiction can be like. Yeah. But I just really appreciate and of course really relate to that sort of a thing. Yeah, absolutely. When they use it as like a metaphor, even mm-hmm. too, like like uh, Evil Dead Two. I think we talked about that some. Yeah, yeah. Or not I, Evil Dead Two. Evil the remake of Evil. The Dead. remake of Evil Dead. Um, yeah, stuff like that. I think we talked about it too with like werewolves. Mm-hmm. Like when when they use like 
a curse like that, like a werewolf or something. You can yep. see where it's like, oh yeah, it's kind of like an addiction story. Like metaphors and stuff, metaphors yeah. for an addiction story. Heck yeah. Yeah. Well, keep thinking about it. But I loved that term. I was like, ooh, cinematic catnip. It's kind of hard mm -hmm. to say, but I, I love that that I love that term. I think that's really fun. It sounds like something you'd say as a warm up, like a vocal warm up. Cinematic, cinematic catnip. Cinematic catnip. <laughs> I will. I'm going to use it from now on. Mm -hmm. Anything else? Nah. Oh, uh, news. Oh, yes, please. I don't have any. I did see that because uh, of this brave new world we're entering. So Kevin Smith, the last movie I guess he completed uh, was a horror film. Kilroy mm. was here is the name of it. There's a trailer out there. It's based off of the, uh, you know, uh, from history, you can go online and read whole things about it. But Kilroy was here was like a famous piece of graffiti that American GIs would put around during. Like it looks like it started around World War II, where they would leave places. But uh, it kind of turned into a whole legend itself. No idea who Kilroy was, but there was like a little cartoon guy people would draw with it. Uh, so Kevin Smith made a slasher flick. I guess it's an anthology slasher flick where Kilroy is the slasher and it's built around this legend this piece of american history like ephemera uh but he's going to sell it as an nft uh which i just barely understand what this nft stuff is <laughs> anyone that's watching keeping track of the economic news it's the new thing to do to sell like original pieces of I guess anything you can sell them as an NFT. So that's what he's going to do. He's going to sell it and somebody's going to buy it. And then that pet person decides whether they release or what happens to it. Oh, wow. But it okay. seems like that's a new mode. I mean, it's not really any different from traditional movie distribution. Cause I bet you whoever buys it will be eyeing to then distribute it, but that's what he's going to do. He's going to sell it as an NFT and I'm sure it'll go for millions. <laughs> uh, whoever gets huh. it, but yeah. Interesting. So, brave new world we live in. Indeed. And that's it. That was the horror-related news okay. that I had. Well, so. that's, yeah. I'm intrigued by that. Yeah. Well, shall we share our scares with each other? Yeah, I think so. Let's do it. You go first this week. I do. You do. Okay. Lay it on me. I am going to give you 10 Cloverfield Lane. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, I already, like, a vaguely aware of this movie. Because uh, I remember, I remember the ad campaign. You couldn't have missed it when it came out. It was like the sequel to Cloverfield. Sort of. I know that it's only tangentially related to Cloverfield. I remember John Goodman's in it. Who I do love me some John Goodman. So I'm excited mm -hmm. for that. It's uh, they're in like a bunker and like the, the end of the world has happened or something. I just remember the trailers making you feel like maybe it didn't. He's lying and he's just got these people down there with him somehow and whatever but i think there's gonna be some twists like i think i don't think it'll be as simple because the trailer showed it where like maybe the world didn't end like i don't think it's gonna be as simple as that i think they're gonna get out and it's gonna be some third alternate like like the movie's gonna keep switching and like and then they get out there and there are like monsters everywhere killing people or something like you know zombies everywhere something like that but i think the bulk of the movie is just gonna be them fighting with each other like the thing style like super paranoid about who is what and what people really are. Like, is this guy really like a maniac of some kind? Somebody's probably going to die. Uh, and hilarity ensues. <laughs> All right. I'm shocked you have not seen it. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it, it's been like, it's literally even been on TVs in places I've been. 
where I'm like, but I've literally only seen like seconds of it. Like, okay. Where I'm like, what's this? Oh, 10 Cloverfield Rain. Huh. And then I move on to like, you know, it's been, I don't know why I've never sat down to watch it, but uh, okay. I'm excited to see it. All right. What are you going to give me? I will give you part of it is just the ease of accessibility because this just popped up on Netflix like yesterday, I think, is Crimson Peak. Oh, I'm so excited. I think Joe wants to watch this, which is always fun. So what do you know? I know it's Guillermo del Toro. Mm -hmm. I may be slaughtering his name, but I know it's like a gothic haunted house story. From what I'm told, it's not heavy on the scares and the horror. It's more of, I don't know if drama is the right word, but it's not as scary as lots of people were hoping for. So some people were disappointed in that aspect. But I mean, I fucking love Pan's Labyrinth and that's, you know, it's a drama as well. It's mm -hmm. so I'm fine if the movie is more about telling the story and atmosphere. I think it's very visually beautiful. I mean, it's part of the title, Crimson Peak. Like it just sounds like it's beautiful. Like a piece of art. Yes. So I think there's going to be, you know, some ghosts. I, I know that, you know, Alice is in it. Um, Mia, Mia W, I'm going to call her. So I don't yep. totally slaughter her name as well. I do love her. We are a fan of her. So I know that there's like images of her, like in like a nightgown and some like Victorian getup or something. So I know it's like a period piece. I don't know. I feel like she comes to live in this house, whether someone dies. So she comes home or she inherits it or something. I feel like there's like two other men in it, but I can't imagine envision who they are. I feel like there's someone else with that. That's, you know, someone I would know. But I think there's a younger man and an older man. And I just think she comes to live in this house and like sort of maybe someone's trying to tell her the secrets of like the ghosts are trying to like let her in on how evil the the person is who brought her there or something, you know, the skeletons are literally and metaphorically coming out of the closet. And I think in the end, the house burns down. I think it's me very, what was that other one we watched that Poe one? Oh, House of Usher. Yeah, I think it's going to be real reminiscent of that, but with a little bit more of a an ending coda, a little bit more of an epilogue, mm -hmm. as opposed to house burns down, credits. <laughs> <laughs> the end. <laughs> the end. <laughs> so yeah, I think she's going to learn some secrets of the house and the man who brought her there or who lives there. And I think she's going to live. But I'm going to say at least one of the other two main characters are going to die. And... Evil will prevail. No, I don't think yeah. there's really going to be evil. I think the evil is going to be humanity as opposed to the the uh, the unknown. Just, just general evil. Evil as an idea. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I'm real excited. Thanks. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. And I was like, oh, this is great because it's just right on Netflix right now. So delicious for our listeners, too. If you want to seek it out, it's really easy to grab right now. So grab it. Grab it. OK, right. well, we'll be right back, guys. Blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. We're back. We're back. We're here. So in Poltergeist, so there was they're here, then 
their back was the second one because she had the phone, remember? Yeah, vaguely. Like the little play phone. But then the third one, like what the fuck was the tagline? And she's like, they're in this hotel. <laughs> or something like that. I'd... Room service. <laughs> yeah, weren't they in like a, a high rise or something? They the were. Poor yeah. Nancy. It's just so bad. It's so bad. But yeah, no. I don't think there was like, you know, like a continuation of that tagline, but I don't think so. I remember the third one. I I've only seen it as a kid and I remember even as a child being like this sucks. Oh, <laughs> and so, so I've Poor never Karen. I've never seen it since. He's found her. It looks oh. like was the tagline, which is not good. I remember the second one being actually not that bad. Yeah, I tried to rewatch it. And I wasn't crazy about it, but it has some fun practical effects, like with uh, braces and the the vomit mm -hmm. monster from the tequila. Yeah, and Reverend Kane is just a cool oh, bad guy. Right. So, right. like, he's he's a great addition to the lore. Yeah, there are some redeeming qualities. It's not as good. The first yeah. one's a masterpiece. The first one is a masterpiece. Masterpiece. And you're never gonna top it. So that was the problem. No. And then I forget that there was a remake. There was oh, technically a Poltergeist Christ. 4, that remake, and I totally forgot about it until I read about it one day, and oh, I was like, oh, brother. yeah. And you're like, Sam Rockwell and all that, it should have been good, but I heard it. God I never saw it. it. I just heard it suck. Oh, don't. Don't go. Don't okay. go into the light, Jeremy. <laughs> okay. I'll just stick with the original. That's just one yep. of my favorite movies, so I'll just stick with it. All right, let's hop into our flicks. Let's do it. First up is... 10 Cloverfield Lane and the letterboxed tagline is monsters come in many forms and the summary is after getting in a car accident a young woman is held in a shelter with two men who claim the outside world is affected by a widespread chemical attack the end yeah that's pretty much it pretty much what are your thoughts, Jeremy? Uh, I liked this. I had a really good time with this. In fact, I would stand to say I liked this more than the first Cloverfield. I, I concur. A, I think this is a better movie. I did watch it with my wife. I got Sarah to watch this one with me. I was just thinking I wish Sarah would watch this because I think she'd like it. Did she like it? She liked it. She said it was okay at the end, okay. which is well, good enough. I, find that, I take that as a win. Yeah, I think that is a win, too. Uh, I was just like, I really liked it. So I, I was more into it. She did want me to pose the question to you of, if, would you rather be stuck in a bunker with maniacal John Goodman, who's up to God knows what, or would you rather be, sorry, guys, spoilers abound, would you rather be out there mixing it up with the aliens, trying to fight the aliens to survive? I'd rather be with John Goodman. He's a daddy. He's daddy. I, I, yeah. He's daddy. See, He's daddy bear. I, I would be out fighting the aliens. <laughs> yep. So there you go. I'd give John Goodman what he wanted. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. And you know what? I think what I find so successful about this, just like with Kong Skull Island, is that there is enough humanity in there. Like there's a little bit of humor. Mm -hmm. Like it just doesn't it takes itself seriously, but like, I don't know. There's just something about even just the slightest bit of humor and something that just humanizes it mm -hmm. even in the most dire of situations. And I find that very much the case here. I thought, yeah, the characters were wonderful. Like every one of them was sketched out. Not too much, but just enough and in believable ways that they felt like real people. And I do love that the movie didn't 
it left uh, hanging threads. Like you, you never really knew the full story behind John Goodman's character. Like what? Uh, I mean, we figure out he's kind of crazy and maybe he kidnapped her uh, for the purpose of having like a daughter wife or whatever, you know, seemed to be where it was going towards the end. But like, did he really have a daughter? I mean, he was wearing a wedding ring. That was a detail I noted. Mm. So I was like, I I never noticed that in people in movies or in real life. Like, it's just not something that my mind picks up that's so interesting yeah it was something where he like like he held his hand up and i was like oh there's a wedding band so i'm like that's going to become a plot point later because there doesn't seem to be a wife around uh but you just get that mention of like she's out of my life and took our daughter but the fact that he's wearing it you're like maybe there was truth to that and somewhere along the way he's gone off on this other you know he's gone crazy and gone off in this other direction never find out too much about like why he had the other girl that clearly he had kidnapped so it would yeah, seem. Yeah, I love that. I it's something that I really enjoy in movies and TV. Not having everything spelled out, but not ve- so vague that you're like, I have no idea what the fuck is going on. I don't yeah. mind that. I prefer that over being spoon fed every single little detail, and mm-hmm. on top of being spoon fed details to have to show me as well. Like like in some of these like CSI shows and stuff, I've only seen an episode or two, but when like the truth is revealed, we have to go back and show us in reenactments the, mm-hmm. the poison going into the glass. And we have to literally see it happening in order to mm-hmm. understand. Like, I'm like, please God, give me a little bit of credit here. Yeah, no, this, I, I, I think that was great. And the fact that she left her fiance in the beginning, but like, that's just flavor. To the story like it feels like it's going to be something bigger or mm-hmm. but you're like nope because the world ended so she's got bigger fish to fry than worrying about her past you know what her life used to be so yeah the beginning reminds me of psycho even though she's not like stealing money and stuff but there's just this sort of feel you know like woman going on the run and mm-hmm. you know ending up in a, a place with a, a crazy bad man. situation yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Emmett, man, he just wasn't supposed to be there. Poor Emmett. Poor Emmett. And he's so good. John Gallagher Jr. is so cute and just so charming. Even when he's playing sort of little rednecky sort yeah, kinda, of dude. Kind of dumb. Yeah. Yep. And but... I know that we talk about like our love of this sort of music in movies, at least like like old timey music mm-hmm. when it's used. And what I loved so much this time that I didn't necessarily notice the other times I've seen this is that it's just kind of off a little mm-hmm. bit. Like it's like the record is warped. Yeah. It's like off like time. Just a little bit. It's just and like, I thought, that, I thought that was really cool. I was like, Oh, that adds to the tension that they're ratcheting up is like, it's songs, you know, but they're in an uneven time. Like the meter is all off. Cause clearly the machine is fucked up and isn't able to play the music. Right. So. Mm-hmm. And I thought the little living area, I was like, that looks nice. I'd live there. Yeah. I liked that little commons area. It sort of is like he had too many ideas left over from Lost and decided to do this movie. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. watch Lost? I watched like the first season and then saw like random episodes throughout. I was never a big Lost guy. Like I didn't. I think get... it was the end of the first season that you find the hatch. And it was yeah. very much like this. Yeah, yeah. And then I like stopped watching (laughs) after that it didn't hook me so 
And I love a resourceful gal. Like she mm-hmm. just is very much kind of like Ginny in Friday the 13th part two is my all time favorite scream queen. Like she just is resourceful and like, she can just put shit together and she's smart. And I just, I love that. I love that. And she's done so many little horror movies. She's like sort of the scream queen. That's not talked about very often, but she has a whole handful of, Mm-hmm. Flick she's done and she's very good of course she's ramona flowers from scott pilgrim versus the world which is like her hipster you know her ultimate claim to fame is that role and does she have like a streak of color in her hair in that movie like purple she, or something she had straight up purple hair okay okay yep it's, i've and, only seen it once I'm yeah i'm ago yeah she's she's great in that movie but like that's gonna be her little like you know, punk rock indie queen forever because of <laughs> doing that flick and doing it well. So, and it's so interesting because I think that John Goodman was just straight up a little bit loony, and that's mm. why he created this bunker. And it just so happened that shit started to go down, so it all worked out for him. Mm. But then, like with the woman outside, it's all vague enough that you think he could be right. And there's just one thing she says. She says like they barely touched me or something like that. Like I put on my subtitles cause I couldn't tell what she said, mm-hmm. but obviously like the monsters got to her, which is why she's all fucked up. Were ha- but like, it goes along with his story that it's sort of like, doesn't he say like, it's like nuclear warfare, like chemical warfare, chemical warfare. Yeah. Like it goes along with that, that like she kind of believes him. So it's just, I, it's just clever. I find in, in, in its ways of like, what's true? Oh, this is true. Well, maybe it's not. Oh, yes, it is. And I love that sort of yo-yo effect. And there's a moment, too, where I love, I can't remember the exact quote now. I probably should have looked it up. But John Goodman has that line where he says people are like strange and that they will act against their own safety you know, or not in the interest of their own safety. He has some line about that. And I'm like, wow, what a profound statement. That's just absolutely true. uh, As we see time and time again in the world. And when it started, like, I couldn't remember how, how Emmett got down there right away. And John Goodman towards the beginning has a line about like, he makes a reference to Noah. And I kind of wondered if he had purposely got the two of them so that they could have babies and like create a family like if he wasn't i got the impression just in my my mind's story that Mm -hmm. he wasn't going to be able to do that but the two of them would be able to procreate and create life going forward but then he just gets pissed off and then then the barrel scene happens (laughs) yeah yeah it's great but yeah you're like oh no he just wanted her for some sort of strange companionship that's not explicitly clear but you know creepy enough and it all had a different vibe since we've been living in these times this past mm-hmm. year just the whole thing felt different. it hit pretty hard yeah uh watching it i did feel though like at the end of the movie when she, it goes full-on science fiction action movie for like minutes where she like throws the Molotov cocktail into the thing and it blows up. And she's initially, I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. This feels like a totally different movie from what I just watched, you know, the whole time, but I don't know. I'm over it. I thought it was cool. (laughs) (laughs) And it's interesting. There's some movies like signs where the whole time, like they talk about this baseball story where 
I can't even remember now exactly, but it's like he didn't mm -hmm. swing the bat, and like they they tell it in such a dramatic way that you know it's going to come up later that he's going to have to swing that bat and save the day, mm -hmm. and it just annoys the fuck out of me when it's so heavy handed in the themes and the examples set up that you know that that's where it's going to go, but for some reason with this movie, like they set up her always running, but I it doesn't telegraph to me at least that we're going to reach a moment in the end where she's not going to run, which is like the last moment of mm -hmm. her deciding to not go necessarily to safety, but realizing she's a badass and she's just got out of two horrible situations and she needs to go do something with her life and like save people. Mm -hmm. And she may very well may turn down that road and a fucking monster eats her car. Yeah. But, but I just love that moment and it doesn't, feel super obvious to me like in a way that no. i'm like annoyed by it yeah the only thing this movie i felt was telegraphing to well one i'm like it's got cloverfield in the title title something you know i know there's monsters out there like you you know it that's what the reveal is it's just gonna be like how and when they do it uh which i thought this movie did a great job of stringing you along but there's a bit Emmett when he's talking about how he saw the bright flash and shit started to go crazy uh and like the way it's described sounds so much like something from say like war of the worlds uh where I was like they're gonna get out there and there's gonna be like the tripods like from what that's what I was expecting like there's gonna be something going on where they're like oh shit yeah this is bad like there's aliens here or something so it was cool that I was guessing correctly at the end where I was like yes knew it aliens and Emmett does sort of verify that something's going on out there, which is a really good reason to have him there. Mm -hmm. And also that's when I knew, I mean, I've seen it before, but when I remembered that it couldn't have been that sort of like Noah and the Ark thing, because Emmett's like, I had to push my way in here. And that's also a fun reveal because like he's hurt. So she's like, oh, he hurt you too. And he's like, no, I was like, let me in. And that's how I hurt myself was trying to get the fuck in here. And he mm -hmm. didn't want to let me in. And that's all such a cool reveal. Like you think, you know, like he's done this to these two people. But in the end, it's like, did he just accidentally run her off the road and then saved her? Was it on part? Like, yeah, you never know. Yeah. And it's I that is part of its brilliance. And I agree with you. Like after it ended, I was like so much better than Cloverfield because Cloverfield has some great sequences, but ultimately does not land or really come close. Mm -mm. for it's like maybe at most one third of it being a good movie yeah whereas it, this it's like nine tenths of it i say is a pretty good film yeah and, and and again like my only issue would be that ending seems so tonally jarring when you jump to her uh fighting the alien and like the, as it it initially was like okay this works there's an alien but the the more it went the bigger it started getting like it just in the last like minutes of the movie which seemed like a weird pacing choice to be like all right and we got like two minutes left on the clock giant alien spaceship fight is gonna happen <laughs> right now you're like okay wow that seems weird to backload that much right then but oh um, i dig it I yeah, I that. think it was still cool. After it was done, I was like, maybe my only problem is because it was different. Is that why? Like, you know, I'm not used to, I'm so programmed for movies to happen a certain way that like I, I was just having trouble. Like, whoa, wow, you know, blown away by it. But I like it. It's cool. Yeah, she's good. Have you seen the, the Thing prequel that she's in? It was terrible. 
was it? Yeah, it was one of those. Well, okay. Honestly, if I want to give a real opinion, I should probably rewatch it because I watched it like many years ago when it originally came out. Uh, and it was like on TV or something that I watched it. So I was like flipping back and forth with other stuff because it was so like boring. I was so not into it. I was only half watching it. So I should probably go back and revisit, but it just it's just not as good. And they call it a prequel. It's just a remake of John Carpenter's thing. It's like beat for beat the same story with all the same But it shit. like ends with like the dog running off. Yeah, and it ends with like, oh, so the dog like, ran off. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't like call it a prequel, but it was supposed to be one of those things where you think you're watching a remake and then it gets to the end and it's like, oh, it really is a prequel even though we didn't market it as such. Yeah, and nobody really wanted that. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I've not seen it. Um, but she's also in Black Christmas, the remake, the first remake. The first remake, because there's that other one now, too. Which is, th- like, one of the worst movies I've ever seen. The, oh, wow. It makes that remake that Mary Elizabeth Winstead is in look like fucking Citizen Kane. I've never seen Citizen Kane, but from what I hear, <laughs> it looks Citizen like Kane. Citizen Kane, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I rewatched it this past Christmas, and it was kind of fun. If you mm. watch it, not like thinking you're going to watch like a good scary movie. I mean, it's just kind of campy and silly and stupid, but, and you never really knew like going into it, who the lead was going to be. I think it ends up being more Katie Cassidy, but I thought it was going to be Mary Elizabeth Winstead. But then I think, I think she croaks, but she's fun. I really like her as an actress. She's a little bland, but I like her. Mm -hmm. And this, I thought she was particularly good. I think she's got a good energy. Yeah. And John Goodman is just great. He's yeah, he's just always good. I love seeing him in like horror flicks, genre flicks, if you will, like this. Um, He's got moments that reminded me because he was in that Kevin Smith flick, Red State, if you've ever seen that. I have, but I don't remember him in it. Yeah, for some reason, moments of this movie reminded me of his performance in Red State, even though he's playing entirely different characters between the two movies. But he, like, he just has a certain like. There's that matter of factness. I think it's the matter of factness he can bring to a role where he's just like, "Well, nobody's looking for you, and now you're stuck down here." You know, he just has an authenticity that's really shows through in like everything he does. I thought he was in that movie, The Sacrament, about like the Jonestown. Oh, yeah. No, that's. Uh, but it yeah. looks like him in the poster. And I watched it. And I was so disappointed that it wasn't him. Yeah, I can't remember that guy's name. I liked The I Sacrament. I did not like no? it. No. Oh, no. I know that people were fond of it, but I no. I liked it. I thought it was a good, like the best. If you're going to make a fucking movie about Jonestown, <laughs> that's the best movie you could make, probably. Gene Jones is the guy who played that part. Which oh, is okay. Because I don't think they specifically said the Jonestown. Like, I think it was like, it was about that without saying that. It's about that with them changing all the names and shit. Yeah. But it's literally just the Jonestown. It was like found footage, right? Am I remembering yes. that right? Yeah. They were supposed to be a documentary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be a documentary crew that was like there to look at the place. Yeah. Ty West is really hit or miss with me oh he directed a couple episodes of them that tv series mm. but yeah i i'm glad to rewatch this i just remember the one thing i do not like about it is mm. in the end when she's driving off and she hits the mailbox and it's like you were just you're leaving 10 cloverfield lane yeah it's the name <laughs> of the of those, movie that's one of those spoon feeding things like i would have preferred to just not see that yeah the title still makes sense it's like, 
you're living in this place that's a part of this universe. Like, I don't need the mailbox, okay? That had to have been a producer, like, focus group thing where they're like, but we need them to know that 10 Cloverfield Lane is the location they're at. Yep, 100%. And I like that it's like they could be, we know that they're not the exact same monsters from Cloverfield, but it's like maybe all of these things are happening at the same time or maybe it's just, you know, like end of the world monsters invasion sort of thing. Like whereas Cloverfield, they like come from the water here. They're coming from the sky, but maybe it's all one and the same. And then that stupid third movie is supposed to kind of tries to tie them all together. That's what I heard. Shitty way. I never saw it, but uh, I was told that that's like really the only point of that third movie existing is to explain how it's tied together. But I kind of like the idea that they're it's like Black Mirror in a way, you know, like they're connected by name and theme, mm-hmm. but that they're very different movies. I'm I'm all for that sort of an idea. Sure. So yeah, I was mostly right with my synopsis, too. Yes, pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there will be twists. There's going to they're going to get out. There's going to be monsters killing people. The bulk of it's them fighting with each other. Someone's going to die. John Goodman's in it. It's a sort of mm-hmm. sequel to Cloverfield. I mean, you hashtag nailed it. So. Nailed it. So, okay. <laughs> Out of five vats of flesh disintegrating acid, how many do you give 10 Cloverfield Lane? Four. I give it four as well. Uh, wow. Scare of approval. Ding, 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 ding. Beep, 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 beep. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> that's the scare of approval. Yes. Oh, that's good. Well, I'm so glad you liked it. It's another one of those where it's kind of slow burning, and I'm like, how is he going to feel? Because you set it up real early on in this podcast. You're not a fan of that sort of shit. Yeah. You have repeatedly liked yeah. movies in that in that vein so i i feel like it's like i don't like slow burn when it's not building plot i guess because there's movies that are slow to get going where it's like an entirely different movie for like a half hour or whatever and then it's incidental where they're like and i was living my happy-go-lucky life and then i accidentally rear-ended like a serial killer in traffic like you know 40 minutes into the movie and it becomes a different movie i don't really like that kind of gimmick but this is a movie where it's a slow burn but it's building everything it's doing is important later on to the story like you know it's building plot that i do enjoy i'm finding so that's that's where I think the difference is, because there's a lot of slow burns that are just like, and the point is, and then it, you know, goes on to something else entirely. Okay. But, and maybe I'm just a complicated man. You are, and I love it. <laughs> I'm a walking contradiction, as Green Day sang. Okay, I guess we move on to Crimson Peak. And the tagline is, love makes monsters of us all. And the plot description is in the aftermath of a family tragedy, an aspiring author is torn between love for her childhood friend and the temptation of a mysterious outsider. Trying to escape the ghosts of her past, she is swept away to a house that breathes, bleeds, and remembers. Oh. Well, I like the tagline better than I like the movie. Oh, whoa. (laughs) 
I am sorry to say that I fall in the camp of people who are not so crazy about this film. Wow. And you know, I thought that that camp was a lot larger, but it's not. The larger camp no. is people who liked it. Yeah. <laughs> like you. Know, I just, I found the ghost story not terribly interesting. I found the love story equally not as interesting. So I just was like, what I'm left with are some pretty colors and some cool set pieces. Mm -hmm. And that just didn't, doesn't make for uh, a lovely movie watching experience. Like I mm -hmm. didn't find any of the characters terribly interesting. I liked her in the beginning and I was excited. She's this spunky author. I felt very like Joe March and little women. Like I thought it was gonna be kind of like little women, but with ghosts. Cause she's trying to like get a story published and mm -hmm. she's a little spunky. But then I just felt like when she got to the house, like her spunk sort of disappeared and like that, like her love interest, her like childhood friend or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like I just never felt the connection with the two of them. So I wasn't like rooting for him to like get there and save her. And then that guy at the house was just, what was his name? Thomas Sharp. Mm -hmm. the character he's yeah. just so like creepy to begin with like i'm like he's just a creeper like i don't know why you're at all interested like no mm -hmm. <laughs> and then it turns into like flowers in the attic and like the last yeah. like half oh, hour sure. and i'm like i wasn't shocked by it i was more like well there you go <laughs> oh man but the coolest part about it is the house the big old house that it bleeds. I mean, mm -hmm. I know it's clay, but that it looks like it's bleeding and that the snow bleeds. Like, that's all very cool. But I just was underwhelmed and I was so excited for it. Mm -hmm. But I just, like, the whole time watching it, I was just like, yeah. And I thought the ghosts were lame looking. Hmm. Like, I just, like, they were just so CGI. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I didn't. Like, I prefer The Devil's Backbone, where it's like a, a real actor looking creepy. That And that is something I, I thought that this movie is an interesting, like, riff on his own movie. Because thematically, there's a shit ton of Devil's Backbone in this movie again. And I haven't seen Devil's Backbone since I saw it in the theater, which is probably, you know, at least 20 years ago. But I mm -hmm. remember liking it. And I hadn't seen a ton of foreign movies at the time, because I was in my, like, early 20s. I saw it in Chicago. But I remember finding it good and interesting and that it had an interesting perspective coming from like Spain, right? It was Spanish. He's Spanish. Yes. Yeah. He produced it in Spain. Yeah. But yeah, I just, this movie just never sunk its claws into me. Huh? I'm shocked. <laughs> but you I'm love taken it. Aback. I'm, I'm, I I'm, it. I was taken aback. This is the fourth or fifth time I've watched this. And I have to say, this is a movie I love more every time I rewatch it. So I don't know. And I seem to remember the first time I saw it, I think I was underwhelmed too. So I don't know if there's something to the rewatch of this, but this is a movie that like, this is over time I've become a fan of this movie. I wasn't hooked by it the first time. And it was something that like I saw in theaters and was like, huh, this is okay. And then I rewatched it and was like, that's better than I remember it. And it's just increased since then. So I don't know what, what that's about, but 
that's been my relationship to this film. Like I normally when I watch our movies, whether it's your pick or mine, I am writing notes throughout the whole thing. I wrote a couple notes at the beginning and then like a couple notes at the end. Like there just weren't things that I was like, oh, I hate this or, oh, I love this. It was just purely mediocre, mm-hmm. which, you know, I'd rather something be like really horrible, <laughs> like yeah. me really not like it or to mm-hmm. like really like it. But just to have that sort of middle ground where in the beginning I'm into it and then I just lose all interest whatsoever. Mm -hmm. was pretty much what happened here i understood what it was like trying to do with its like like i don't know what you call it but that sort of like circle zoom in and out when it's like closing out a scene and it felt very much like we're trying to do like this gothic sort of you know homage to movies from like the 50s or 60s like there's some which I think that's lost on me a little bit. Like I, I feel if I were more like you where I watched movies like these Vincent Price films and things like mm-hmm. it felt like it was sort of a nod to that genre. Mm-hmm. Am I correct in that? You are. Uh, okay. I was I, I was very interested in watching this so close to Blood and Black Lace because when I started reading up on it, Guillermo del Toro's biggest inspiration for this movie visually was Mario Bava's Technicolor movies. He said he was Mm. trying to do Mm -hmm. Bava's use of color and the way. And I was like, yeah, actually watching this so close to Blood and Black Lace, I can see that where there's these color schemes. And then the the one like big murder sequence when the the dad gets killed, like that's totally a Jalo thing because she's got the black gloves on and the whole get up and looks like a Jalo murderer. And I loved that. That's totally a nod to Bava and the Shallow movies. And his face is all crushed in. Like, I love that. I thought that was awesome. Oh, that's a great sequence. When the ghosts started coming, like, there wasn't any mystery to, ooh, are these bad ghosts? Like, I knew that they were ghosts trying to warn her of something that's going, that's happened. Mm -hmm. Like, there was no surprise there. So I guess I was kind of like, eh. And then, like I said, like, I wasn't rooting for her love for anybody. Like, I wanted her to be like, I don't need no man. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Not that she did need a man. She's the one who fought the ultimate fight. It wasn't that guy who came to, like, save her. But in the beginning, I was rooting for her to, like, get her book published and for, like, her to come out on top. And then I just, as it went on, it just seemed like that didn't matter anymore to her. And therefore, I didn't care anymore. Well, her book was Crimson Peak, apparently. Right, I guess. Because in the the closing credits, yeah, because the closing credits show you the book, Crimson Peak, by by her. So you're Mm -hmm. like, oh, there it is. She turned this into a book. You're right. Yeah, yeah. So. And it's like I was right in the fact, like I said, that there were like two people that she came to live in the house with, but I said it was like two men, and it wasn't. It was, you know, what's her butt? Jessica Chastain, and then that guy. Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, him. And one of it's really like one of them was bad and one of them was less bad. Mm. <laughs> and it was like the ghost trying to to warn her and tell her the house's secrets. I said that the house was going to burn down. It did not. It just sort of bled. And I just found all of that all too convenient. Like that they're just they just kept the previous wife's suitcase with these tapes in it in the basement. Like it seems sloppy serial killer work. Like I wish that they she would have found it like in the vat of mud. Like they were trying to destroy it mm-hmm. and she happened to come across it and she 
aired it out or something like in the tapes back then like i'm like really like i would have thought like a journal or something Mm -hmm. (laughs) as opposed to like this like a megaphone or whatever the fuck it was like some like very modern technology (laughs) i mean it was not so modern but it still felt very much like someone found the videotape and put it in the vcr yeah and that that seems that's so del toro too uh because his movies he loves old technology there's like a little bit of a fetish there for like oh it's the early 1900s so somewhere i gotta work in this old like list you know recording technology because you watch his movies and there's a lot of fascination with clockwork and like old mechanisms like you know old devices that's a recurring theme through okay um if you couldn't tell i'm very devoted to del toro so i've seen like all the movies many times but like pan's labyrinth is one of my all-time faves like i think it's so beautiful it's scary like some of those sequences the, mm-hmm. i've only seen it once but some of those sequences just scared the shit out of me and the end was so heartbreaking it's a movie that it ended joe and i saw it at the main art in royal oak mm-hmm. we walked out of the theater we got in the car and we looked at each other and we just started bawling like mm-hmm. it wrecked us because it was so good that little girl was so amazing it just and it's like was it all real was it all fake what it was all in her head like it just there were so many beautiful things about it and like the the actual real life storyline real life horror that was happening happening with the war and her dad or stepdad or stepdad yeah like he was just like kind of like cloverfield he he was the real monster sort of thing Mm -hmm. and same same with crimson peak like that's definitely a theme so i was just so sad that this didn't resonate with me at all Mm -hmm. like i just didn't care about any of them i know i keep saying it but that was my biggest gripe as i just did it and shape of water is him as well right and that one best picture which i've not seen and I need to because I've heard it's sort of a riff on Creature from the Black Lagoon. In yeah, a way, which it is, right? which is funny, too. And now I'm now I'd be scared for you to see <laughs> Shape of Water because I, I also absolutely adored Shape of Water. And I feel like these two movies like Crimson Peak into Shape of Water because he made them one after the other. There is almost like a duology to them, too, where they have some thematic things that intertwine. So you can see him riffing on these same romantic plot lines and the gothic romance element yeah it just felt like style over substance to me and i love if it's super gothic like i'll take that style all day it doesn't even have to be about anything so maybe that's the difference i just love this type of story that is if it's set in a gothic setting i'm all in and like i knew going into it that the ghosts weren't going to be like the main focus and that it wasn't going to be like ooh, i'm scared Mm -hmm. so like i went into it knowing that so it wasn't like i was let down because of that like i feel like i went into it knowing all the gripes people had with it so like i thought i was well prepared to love it because i was going to go in knowing already what to expect what people griped about and yet that's exactly how i felt (laughs) Uh. so there you go there you go uh your description i think was mostly right generally yeah I mean, just I said that the house was going to burn. It did yeah, not. Yeah, just a couple details different. The evil is humanity, and it truly is. It is. They're they're gross, gross humanity. So, out of five 
miniature clay digging machines that mm. Tom Hiddleston could not get funding for. Uh, <laughs> how many do you give it? I give it two. Ooh, four. <laughs> four. Yep, yeah, this is a big divide this time. <laughs> it is. Not a yep. scare of approval. No, but it is for me, people. See it. I said For me, but... it belongs in the slash heap. That's what yeah. I decided to call the, the He's getting rid of it. Of approval. Yeah. The, instead of the trash heap, it's the slash heap. I'm sure Sarah will be surprised, too. This is another one. She watched both. She loves this movie, so... Uh, yeah, she watched it with me again. So, wow, there you go. Wow, right? She thinks Tom no. Hiddleston's super hot, though. So that's part of it. Oh, the creeper. Uh huh. I thought the other guy was kind of hot when I saw pictures of him outside of this movie. His hair in this movie was bad. Mm -hmm. What was it, Doctor Alan McMichael? I think. And I liked his mom and his bitchy sisters more than anything. Or I think it was his mom. Like when they ran into them on the stairs in the very beginning oh, yeah, yeah, of like yeah. the publishing yeah, yeah. house. That was, uh, what's his face? Uh, Charlie Hunnam, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, from Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's the lead in that. Now, Pacific Rim is produced by Del Toro? He directed it as well. Oh, he did? Yeah, it is one of his. Yep. Oh, is it any good? Is it about robots or monsters? Or robot Both. monsters? Both. Okay. It's a giant send up of kaiju and anime of giant robots fighting monsters. Now, that's a movie that like I loved it when I first saw it the first time it came out. And it's been diminishing returns ever since. Like I've rewatched mm. it a few times and I've liked it less each time I've rewatched it where I'm like, I think it was just cool to see in the theater because it was one of those big event movies that was like great on a big screen. And then rewatching it since I'm like, it is a pretty weak story, actually. And okay. it's just it's not that great. But is there a sequel? Yeah, there was a sequel, which I heard sucked, so I never saw it. Because yeah, it had none, of, it had like barely any of the actors returned. Like none of the leads returned for the second one. Okay. And that's okay. never a good sign. Nope. <laughs> so. Well, guys, it's been, I feel like, a couple months since we had an email. So that would be so cool. <laughs> that would be great. But, you know, I'm, a, Some, I'm begging here. I'm a begging Somebody. Girl. Somebody, please. But scaring is sharing at gmail.com. Real easy. Or just send us a PM on the old Insta, scaring yeah. is sharing. We put our favorite gifts up of the movies we watch. It's super fun. Yeah, something. Please yeah. interact with Reach us. Out. Reach out know. and touch us. I think next time the gloves are going to have to be off. I got to pick a crazy ass movie. Well, then I'm going to do the same. So that's where I think I'm going. Just be forewarned. I'm going with just I got to be clear. Your gloves are usually off. Okay. Okay. They're usually off, but I'm going nutso next time. I okay. got to find the craziest shit that is on the list. Go to the, I'm list. Gonna do the slowest burn ever. Find a movie. It's literally about paint drying. Uh, <laughs> and then at the end, a ghost like comes out of the paint. <laughs> that if that movie exists, I bet it does. Probably. Well, Jeremy, it's always a joy to spend some time with you. Oh, every time. And guys, remember, beware of Crimson Peak. Long live the new flesh. Hail Paymon. <laughs> Hail Paymon. All of it. And keep sharing the scares. Because scaring is sharing. Until next time. Bye. Scaring is sharing. Scaring is sharing.
This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.